Let's talk sport with Scott Brown and Nathan Snade. Kia ora and good and Auburn from Today Radio Studio Phil Kirschberg, the headquarters of Let's Talk Sport. You might be listening live, maybe on the 10 a.m. replay, or perhaps you're watch, uh, listening to it on the uh, Play or Spotify platforms as, as well. Tonight is 172. The weather's wild, and it is Wednesday, the 21st of February, and we're going to give you decent sporting chat from Luxembourg. And when I say we, I am referring to my good self, Nathan Snade. And tonight, joining me in the studio again, Anton uh, Agassi. Welcome back to the studio again. I haven't seen you for what uh, must be two weeks. Couple is of it? weeks. Yeah. Couple of weeks. I have seen you recently, though, um, on the squash courts at Top Squash. I've seen you there doing um, or looking after many young children, getting them involved in sport uh, the last weeks, and that was uh, that was some good stuff. So I'll get you to talk about that. Listen, if you want to get involved with the show, comments and banter, we welcome you. Six two one fifty to 5,000 and if you're uh, a little bit shy or you're not um, not quick enough maybe you're listening to it on play yeah reach out to us on the Let's Talk Sport Instagram handle if you want to join us on the show you are also very welcome we uh, we value everybody's input so uh, yeah just simply get in touch Anton tell me big fella you got the um, you got the shorts on again yep yeah I was up at um, Sessange today doing my coaching uh, course well, three day module of the coaching course the Luke's QF3 so it's cool. like um, sort of beginner level slightly above beginner so you level you said three day or yeah so so it's three day module we've just got now but it's the, like a year long process because you have to go to a few sort of um, sort of more lesson stuff like what we, what we did at the start now it was more of a mix of classroom time plus practical work yesterday we had some of the INS Academy boys up at the pitch so we can sort of use them as guinea pigs a little yep. bit and um, come up with some sort of uh, training exercises and then um, Alex Benedetti is there to um, give us some some notes and stuff same similar today and we'll, we'll do something similar tomorrow as well um, but yeah it's like a, a year-long process because you've got to do all these sort of modules and checks and then obviously you work with um uh, age group or a club you're coaching them in the meantime and you've got like a log book and you, you have to keep a log book of everything you do are you co- are you uh, part of this course is it is it tailored towards um coaching children or is it coach uh, tailored toward coaching teenagers or adults what so yeah so it's it's pretty much for uh coaching um all all age groups pretty much i mean like i was saying earlier we've got um i think there's about five of us that were there today and uh, one of the guys coaches, I think, CSE under 12s, under 10s. We've got um, Volfadange seniors coach there. We've got um, Baptiste, who also does um, one of the age groups at uh, Volfadange. Uh, myself, who's helped, hopefully uh, continuing helping out with the RCL under 18. So it's a complete mixed bag. And now listen, the, the, with, that, with, that, with that Bush shirt of a T-shirt you've got on and those black and green shorts, you look more like a Volfadange than an RCL. Yeah, well, under, um, right? that's the thing. I've I've not been I've not been up at um, the pitch helping out with RCL that much anyway recently, so I'm a bit out of the loop, um, so to say, because of my knee, obviously. But um, we're we're back moving again a bit now, so hopefully I should be back up there coaching the the under 18s. With those uh, shorts on, are you? Um, how much of the time are you spending in the class, or are you outside with those? Um... It's mostly it's sort of like three quarters in the classroom, and then we did an hour and a half or two hours today up on the pitch um it's not that bad my hands were getting cold more than more than my legs were 
Yeah. But, um, I got I got uh, Baptiste and a couple of the others to do a uh, tackling drill because that's the thing. Yesterday we had the academy guys, but today it was just the coaches. And so we so had you had the whippersnapper of Baptiste on the tackle. Yeah, bags. exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was uh, it was good fun. He couldn't blow over a slight breeze that uh, <laughs> they they had him. Bless him. So he's what a fly half slash. I think he's played maybe fullback or something. I'm not sure, but mainly he's a fly half. And they had him playing scrum half for the weekend. And he said to me before the game, he was like. I'm not sure how I play this. If I play this really, really badly, they'll think I'm rubbish. Or if I play this really, really well, they might keep me a scrum <laughs> off. So he's sort of like, I'm just going to give a decent game, like a 75, 7 out of 10, 8 out of 10 game. Not too good, not too bad. I think I think that's what happened in the end. So Right, now last week, Anton, you were not with me in the studio because I think you were engaged, uh, well, I think with the, with, with the kids, you're having long days um, doing the camp. Tell me, um, it was February the fourteenth, Valentine's Day. Yeah, were you out dating on that? On, on I was on not out dating. Actually, me and um, me and a couple of friends, we um, we were hanging out at uh, her house. There was me um, and yeah, two mates who went to hers. Just a casual, nothing, big, uh, nothing uh, too big, romantic. Nothing too romantic. How about yourself, bit, Nathan? Bit, Did a, you a put out the the rose petals and the yeah. candles and the? Well, I was, I, as as I said, I was in the I was in the, in the <laughs> Did you studio with uh, no Mr. Erickson, and it was a romantic evening between the two of us. We wished each other well. Um, a little late later in the in, in the evening, uh, we managed to have a great chat after the show, and Cheesy's just doing some really cool things with ice hockey. It was uh, really superb. Uh, went home to my lovely wife, and we had a. Uh, a sushi, a takeaway sushi. So um, yeah, with, with, with a with a with a bottle of wine. So nice. it was all good. In fact, I even I went two chocolate, two little uh, chocolates. Oh. I was only t- I got I got a slap on the wrist on the second one, but <laughs> <laughs> that's better than getting a slap on the wrist after one chockey. Um, and the camp last week. I mean, there were there were must have been like thirty eight kids, but well, we being active with sport, it was just it's wonderful yeah. to see. Yeah, no, it was um it was really good fun, tough. I mean, nine eight nine hours a day, five days in a row with with kids, and that's from kids from what it was three all the way up to I think eleven or twelve. Obviously, we had three groups, but I think one of the days we had about forty six kids. Yeah. Um, luckily the weather wasn't too bad so we could go outside because 46 kids in three squash courts is not a good combination yeah exactly and a lot of a, a lot of noise i can i can tell you listen before we uh, take a short break let's give you tell you what is on the menu today we will obviously roll into the significance of 172 in sport because tonight is show episode 127 we've got some football we've even got some diving not diving and football because those two can go uh, they can <laughs> they can be confused we've got a little bit of rugby we've got some football again you're going to talk about sport and the history of the world today we've got some baseball pole vault motorsport ice hockey in tennis and we've got uh, four familiar uh, athletes that uh, share the day today but uh, have a listen to this clip that I managed to uh, track and this is literally the MCG which I've said to you before which is uh, my favourite sporting stadium uh, in, in the world and this is where they literally shake the ground or shake the I don't know yeah they shake the ground of the MCG have a listen to this Butte Waitering the all or nothing to Hollands. Hollands is going to make it outside. He's got another opportunity on here. The kick wasn't great to Doggerty. Doggerty falls back in line. Takes a bounce. 55 metres out. Who's going to get this? A fake line mark. Taken Akers. Runs, plays on. As he's kicked the goal he has. Akers has done it again. He wins all the time. He doesn't miss. The Blues are back in front by a point. 
Now that is 96,300 attendees at a game of football, which was actually um, the Melbourne D's. It was Carlton. Carl when you, when you say goal. football, you mean uh, AFL. AFL, uh, AFL when you, yeah. if, you, if, you, if you put yourself in Melbourne yeah. and you talk footy, you yeah. are talking AFL, and it is, it is huge. Fortunately, I was a lot. 96,000. 96,300, mate. That's, a, that's, that, that's huge. A, that's bigger than anything in, uh, is it Europe? The whole, wait, what's the camp? Uh, no. No camp. About that size, but that, listen, the MCG fills up every um, yeah. almost every Friday night yeah. with that number, and that's why it's just such a great stadium and 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 brilliant tonight. And and that that particular game, that was um, the the crowd was um, erupting between, as I say, the Melbourne D's and uh, Carlton. It was. I got another brilliant little clip where uh, of of commentary as uh, as well, which I can. Uh, well, I'll, I'll bring on a little bit later in the show. Coming on to it, one seven two. What have you got for me? What's the first up for one seven two? Um, which is the episode one seven two. What? How do we get this in sport today? We have got some. Actually, we've got some decent ones here. The first one was uh, a total of one hundred seventy two goals were scored in the the most recent football World Cup in Qatar. 172 goals, uh, new record for the tournament. I wonder if that was to do with um, the temperatures. I wonder, wonder if the temperatures allowed for that to happen. I mean, to be fair, already how many how many teams went there and how many World Cups have they had with that many teams? Because I I can't, I wouldn't imagine that it's it's been the same number of teams since they started the World Cup. They've increased the number of teams and therefore number of games, therefore number of goals. Good so point. I don't know how many times they've played with that many teams, but but still, even if it is the highest, I thought it was one of the most entertaining World Cups I've seen. Probably well, the final alone had six goals, didn't it? Uh, Argentina yeah. France it, final. Um, Mbappe, I think, did he get? Including his penalty, I think he got was it was it four in that game? Was it three in that game? Either way, something insane. I think he basically just put his whole team on his back that game, and it still wasn't enough. But yeah, I think he got three or four goals in that game. Mental, to be honest. Yeah, very much so. They say that there's 171 goals were scored in 1998 and in 2014, but they, obviously they will be predicted a new record in 2026. Is 48 teams will well, there play. There you go. Yeah, but they'll play up to up to 104 matches. I don't know if there's anywhere between 80 and 104. A big difference, but they're uncertain on how many how they, how it's all going to work. I think. Yeah, but still. We, we we can expect more than a hundred. I mean, what, goals, what what are your still, thoughts? We're still thoughts on adding more teams. No, I, I disagree. I th- I think we we you know I I would much rather see so let's let, let's say a a, a smaller uh, you know twenty twenty teams would be for me enough. I mean, not only does it like if you're not in the top it, twenty then in the in the world, then should yeah. you really be there? Because you quali- get to get the opportunity to qualify. Yeah. Of course. So I mean, look, I mean, there's there's two sides of it. There's one side, yes, football huge the the amount of competitive teams in football yes maybe you could fill 48 teams and maybe that's the argument football's getting better there's more better teams but like you say it dilutes the the um the competitiveness and also the, just the just, tournament itself just it? as a fan if you think there's 48 teams how many matches just in the group stage alone if you want to follow the whole tournament you want to watch you know every game or you want to this, this, how many games is there going to be, you know, in a week, right? Just in the pool stages, you know what I mean? There's so many games. I mean, even the the last World Cup, you know, I don't, I didn't watch all the games. I'm sure you didn't watch all the. You watched, you watched the big pool games, but like you say, if you add another, what was it, another twelve teams or whatever it is, 
There's a bunch more games no one's going to watch. It's very clear FIFA are doing this for the cash, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's going to be bringing in uh, more money because more people will will actually be travelling and going to the game. So so the FIFA World Cup, for example, does generate a lot of... Spending not and not only in the host countries, everywhere else. I mean, we yeah. all would might go to a bar or somewhere to to watch some of those games to celebrate if, if our nation is playing. On behold, and we might have New Zealand playing a, another World Cup. There's 48 teams. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the 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 flip side to it, isn't it? If you're a smaller nation, I mean, I say smaller respectively, you're um, probably quite happy with the 40 48 nations. Um, because it gives you what a much better chance of of making it. Um, I mean, I'm thinking. I mean, it's a bit of a tongue in cheek, but um, my Italian friend will probably be a bit happy because I mean they've not been great uh, recently at qualifying for World Cup. So an extra twelve teams they uh, <laughs> they might uh, be a bit thankful for. Yeah, very very <laughs> much. So another one which correlates with 172 is Rick Charles. He's a former American high, dro- high diver. He holds the re- holds the records. He still holds the record to this day for the highest dive of 52 meters, which 52 meters is 172 feet. I hate heights, so this is terrifying. I wouldn't it's a terrifying even, thought. I wouldn't even bomb, let alone jump. I barely get off the, the third diving board in the cock. That, that's that's high enough for me. Never mind 50, 52 meters. 52 I don't even how even how high is the not the, not the baby one, not the middle, like the, that, the third the, one. In the I, cock. I believe it's a ten meter. Yeah, that's two. That's already. That's, I mean, that's, that's already. I'm already knee shaking. So no. five times. No. Five times it. No, no, I'm 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 out. Do you think Scott would have a go at that? <laughs> Scott, I okay. He would he would he would get close to to fifty meters, but I don't think I think he might cap out at like thirty, and then he'd be like, all right, that's it. I've got kids. I'm not doing anything too stupid. But I reckon he would definitely get up there. Um, in uh, he'd go off the fifth diving board in the cock, the, the tallest one for sure. I reckon. Yeah, I think I I, I would jump off that you one. I think so. I wouldn't wouldn't, wouldn't be comfortable. Yeah. I mean, in my, in, in my youth, yes, most definitely. I've done some, uh, okay, so a few crazy jumps. The Harry in, in, in Geelong, not far, not, far the, out of, um, the, not far out of Melbourne, but what's that the way you go like um, like a activity where you jump off like little cliffs into like little lakes and rivers and stuff? What's that? I did that once. I can't remember. It was like a sports camp, and one of the days we were doing that, I was like. This is ridiculous. Why are we jumping off rocks into water with rocks in? I don't like heights. I don't like the idea of jumping into small spaces. And there was a bit where you were the school teacher. You were the school yeah, yeah. It was, it was a group activity thing, and it was safe, and you had helmets on, and they they knew what they were doing. Like it was fine. But just in my brain, I was like, this is this is ridiculous. There was a a bit as well where there's a little tunnel underwater, and you have to swim, hold your breath for about ten seconds, and you pop up out the other side. I was like. No, what if I don't trust myself to hold my breath for 10 seconds to go in a small tunnel to hopefully get out the other side? I was like, I'm fine. I'll go over it. No worries. I'm not going to lie. As a Kiwi kid, we love jumping off things. Yeah. And we love, like, we, particularly the bomb. We, they're just, you know, it's just a, it's a part of New Zealand yeah. tradition to be jumping off bridges into water into the bomb. And when, as I said, I've done, I've, I've done a big one, the Harry Bridge in Geelong, which was a, uh, which was a fabulous jump, although I ended up by knocking two teeth out. And they say that was about a uh, 15 metre jump. Pretty, yeah, pretty crazy, but I mean, pretty thrilling. There's not a cat's hell chance I'd be doing that now. That, no. is, that, that is for sure. Let alone Rick Charles, 52 metre dive, which holds the world record. Rick, well done. It's all over to you. I'll give it. 
give you give you that one. Do you think he was wearing um, boardies or budgies? Budgies. Yeah, definitely. But they divers he, like budgies. He might, might take off if he's wearing boardies. He might slow him. Yeah. Might slow him <laughs> down in the flight. <laughs> 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 he misses the pool. Yeah. He floats away. Yeah, but if they're my boardies, he'd definitely be um, floating in in the air. Listen, you're a rugby man, and yeah. I've got this one specifically in this in, in there for you. Now, a rugby union team was thrashed 172, episode 172, I repeat, to nil before the referee took pity and he ended the match 20 minutes earlier. It was Hoa 5, second 15. They received the drubbing from rivals Blair Growey Rugby Football Club. Now, it sounds like that that's, match was in Scotland. That, Scotland, no? That, yeah, that, that's a rough day, isn't it? When when your rivals are putting 170 on you in an hour, not even the full game, within an hour they've put 170. Like, what even does that game look like? If you think that, how many tries, that's, you're looking at 25 tries, I think, roughly. That's... It's a pace. I, I mean, just getting a, to a point where actually the referee take, p- takes pity. Yeah, and, I, and I, he, I've got a one, an interesting one as well. When I was in Wales and I was playing for the, like the uni second team, whatever, and we were playing another team, You'd see that some of the state of the referees that we get down to these games, just like just Alan Davis, 60-year-old man, crawls out of bed and decides to ref a game because he's got his ref license. And he's from, signed, 19, he's, from 1972. Yeah, exactly. And he signed up on the, the World, uh, Welsh Rugby Union website to be a ref. Anyway, <laughs> um, we, were, we were playing and at the time we were trying to get promoted because the team we had was, you know, it was, you know, uh, probably too good for the league we were in at the time, so we were trying to get a bonus point in this game, and we were we were dominating, but we kept like getting white line fever. But eventually, I think we got about three tries, and um, about just before half time, the ref goes down. <laughs> the the ref goes down in pain. He's holding his hip, and we're thinking like. What what do we do now? Right after about five minutes, the physio comes on, helps the ref. Five minutes, he gets up and he plays on. At half time, he talks to our um, our coach and he says, "Look, when you get your bonus point try, because the other team didn't look like scoring, didn't look like doing anything. So when you get your bonus point try, we're going to call the we'll game. Call, call the <laughs> we're going to call the game." So it took another 10, 15 minutes and you could see the ref struggling, right? Bless him. He, uh, we got the bonus point try and then he, he called the game. But He can't uh, do it with a touchy. He can't throw a touchy on. He can yeah, sit on side. We're, we're not talking that kind of level of rugby. There was one ref and that's it. The touchies is a player, a sub from each team with a okay. with a jersey. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, or yeah, I mean, the, the touch judge is usually one of the fans from the uni with a can in one hand and a, a jersey in the other just waving okay, for so anything. Proper. That sounds that yeah. sounds like pub pub rugby. Yeah, no, was, over there in Swansea. Yeah, yeah I mean it was. Um, so you were telling me you went from there to the national team in Luxembourg. Yeah, no, but that's it was funny. Is that the, the actual level of rugby was really good? Like there was a lot of players that wanted to play. It was a really competitive environment. It was just like, the um, like yeah, the, the ref is some random guy, and and that that was the problem. Like we're thinking like you know the level we've got some really good rugby players here. We've got a ref that can't keep up with play. Like he'd be fifty meters. He'd be on the halfway line giving a try. Brilliant. It's like you didn't see anything. <laughs> what do you mean? It's, ah, it's probably a try. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And to cap things off on one seven two in sport, Man United's McTominay, he is the joint top-scoring midfielder in the in the Premier League alongside Aston Villa's Douglas Louis. He's far away from the... He is, he is far and away the most efficient goal-scoring midfielder and his averages netting 
every 172 minutes. That's very impressive for a midfielder. Considering at the start of the season, they were considering selling McTominay. He was up in the air with would he be going, and he's sort of come on and he's had a, um, yeah, one would say a stupendous uh, season. He's one of the best best midfielders, and Man United right now, I see even in the weekend, they... They, they they look good. They, um, there's a bit of confidence. Yeah, a little bit. Eh, we won't get. Do you think up. that? Do you think that there's a little bit of biases when you read the media? Because it seems to be whether Manchester United are, uh, are performing really well or really poor. The top three or four articles every week are about Man- Manchester United. Like they're still club, they're, it? it is a big club, but so uh, well, that means it sells. It sells likes. It, well, as in I guess so, it sells yeah. like it, it attracts likes. It attracts comments. comments it attracts yeah. argument. Um, you know, it's also that's the thing. It's it's not like if you if you posted something about I don't know. I'm being mean here, but if you post something about Nottingham Forest, only they had a good win in the weekend. They got a two 0 win over West Ham, my friend. Congratulations, they're, they're, they're a damn good but, side. But <laughs> if they post an article about Nottingham Forest, I would assume not many people outside the UK would be clicking on it, liking it, commenting about it. Whereas you post about Man U or you post about Liverpool or Arsenal, Man City, whatever, Chelsea, then. You know, you've got people all around the world that are going to be talking about it or, or commenting on it. Clickbait, 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 exactly. I guess. Tell me, sport and the history in the world today. We are the 21st of February 2024. Uh, what are some interesting things that have happened on this day? So we've got in on this day in 1980, uh, Liechtenstein right a country that seems to always get mistaken for luxembourg or vice versa wherever i go it seems to be um people think you I mean we've got we've got hills they've they've got mountains right yeah we, they can ski we we can't yeah but um yeah especially brits they get confused with this the l and the, yeah, the brits get foreign sounding name things. anyway um they they became the smallest country to produce an olympic champion as uh, honey wenzel uh, won the, the the women's giant slalom at Lake Placid Winter Games. Yeah, well done. Um, Very first. Yeah. What's their population? It can't be much, can it? It's smaller than one would think. Smaller than Luxembourg. We, have we ever, we've never won a a gold medal, have we? Or have we? Olympic Games, yeah. Have we? Yeah, absolutely. What was he? Was he born Charles de Gaulle? When they went to the France. Uh, yeah, I should know. This um, is yeah, this is very embarrassing. The, sta- the, sta- the stadium of Luxembourg. The stadium of Luxembourg. So that, name, that, where did you play rugby? Where did you play your rugby before? Josie Bartel. This is rather embarrassing, isn't it? Mm. There we go. You're not very good. You need, to do, you need to do. You need to do your homework between. Yeah. And the next, so, so and the young, and the next when, piece you're going to get on that. When, and you're going when, to t- tell me a little bit of when, story. When, about when, Josie when was all this though? Because I was probably still. Yeah, you're you were a nipper. It's fair to say. But when I when I go on this next little rant, you're going to have a look at Josie Bartel and his accolades in sport. One of Luxembourg's finest athletes in 1985 on this day was the largest NBA crowd to that date. It was 44,970. Not quite like the 93. 3,300 that we just yeah. heard at the MCG moments ago. It was actually though Chicago Bulls versus Atlanta Hawks on March 27, 1998, that where they got an attendance of 62,046. Now that is mahusif in an indoor arena to have yeah. 62,000 people in an indoor arena. That's uh, that's phenomenal. That happens in 1998, obviously um, the, the era of Michael Jordan. Now, I came across a really interesting fun fact about today in um, uh, sport in, uh, in, in, in its history, and that is in 1985, National League baseball player 
Tim Rain is awarded a 1.2 million salary by an arbitrator. And so I was thinking, why was you know why was he why was he you know why why was that? So I'm just going to come over to my notes wait, wait, here. When you say awarded by an arbitrator, what yeah. So that? like basically in like like a court. I mean, not I don't think it's as yeah. high up as a court. I think there was obviously moder- mediator moderators in, involved. But um, here it was. The decision was awarded to Rain in 1985 based on the combination of his exceptional performance on the field and the impact the decision would have on future playing contracts. So it was a quite a monumental moment really now at the moment at that point he was playing for the montreal expos which is probably not not a bit irrelevant but he had put in some outstanding numbers during the previous season he was a key he was a key player who was known for his speed his um, base stealing prowess and his offensive contributions now the process involved comparing a player's performance and statistics to those other players with similar experience and skills to determine a fair compensation so if he's only getting let's say two or two I don't know, 300,000, but there's other players that are getting are getting more. So he's basically saying, pay me on my worth, which I like. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a slightly slippery slope, but I think it's a fair slope, if that yeah. makes sense. Now, the decision to grant the salary was groundbreaking because it set a new bench par- benchmark for players' salaries, tr- challenging the traditional uh, salary structure that existed in baseball. So I thought... You know, and obviously that, that a ripple effect um, occurs from that. But I thought that was quite, uh, yeah, quite interesting. Otherwise, I would just flicked over. Tim Raines, he got a one point two million salary increase, or a, a salary increase, not one point two million, of course. But yeah, quite, quite phenomenal. Just back on our our legend uh, Josie Bartel, you are in fact correct. He um, was. Uh, the surprise winner of the men's fifteen hundred meters mm-hmm. at the do you know what which Olympics? Ooh, no, I would say wasn't it was before eighty uh, before eighty before eighty four eighty no would it be seventy six? It was the nineteen fifty two fifty two Summer Olympics. Ooh. That's um, I think it says Helsinki, but yeah, he got so- gold. So um, congratulations, Luxembourg. Let's hope uh, we let, let's hope Charles Griffin gets a gold in Paris later this year. He's also racing in the fifteen hundred meters. I, this may be wrong, but it looks like the the total uh, Olympic medals. I'm not sure if this is just Summer Olympics or Winter Olympics, but it looks like I'm sure someone can correct me. It says five. It says two gold and three silver. So that obviously that, excludes the small nation Olympics that Luxembourg just did. Yeah, well obviously, because what did you count? Did you count a medal per player in the uh, team? We, we, had, we had Liechtenstein, of course. <laughs> we're competing against uh, the Grand Nation of, of Liechtenstein. Um, staying on sport and history in the world today, on in this day, 2016, it was the 58th Daytona 500, and Demi Hanlon. Don't don't expect you to remember this at the end of the show, but he won the closest race in history, which was 0.01 second from Martin True Jr. Now, if we take that 58th Daytona and we look at 1958 Daytona, it was actually a photo finish. That was awarded to the uh, got awarded to the winner, and I can't remember the name of the of, of the driver. But three days later, they relooked it, and they and they found out that the that the title had to be awarded to the other. Oh, they had to swap. They had to swap titles. Yeah, so they misread the photo finish original. 
but mind you, we're talking back in 1958. Yeah. How good were the how good were the lenses in those days? I didn't we know that. We, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a camera, of course. It was a photo. It was a photo finish. Also on this day, 2002, Canadian World Champion Women's Ice Hockey Team, they win the first of four consecutive Winter Olympic gold medals. Very impressive with a 3-2 win of the US in Salt Lake City. Canadian Ice Hockey. Four in a row. Four that in a row. Is, that's, that's a long, that's a, long reign. That's, that, that is, to over 12, well, 12 years, obviously. And in 2021, Australian men's open winner Novak Djokovic of Suburbia, he won an extending ninth Australian title where he dominated Medev um, and won three love and obviously that was just after 2020 wasn't it when he refused to have he would have been kicked out of the kicked out of the country for refusing to uh, oh, it was uh, COVID one yeah thoughts on that not not get into it or well not yeah not really get into it we we, we got a view if you if you want to go into the country you got to play by the rules I think for, for us yeah. for us at let's talk sport it's pretty pretty simple um but yeah we can one one can argue if someone wants does not want a vaccine then don't get the vaccine but you yeah. might have to um, play the rules by yeah, the country yeah. that you are traveling to whose birthday is it today mate right we've got uh four birthdays today um so a very happy birthday to Michael Slater born in 1970 Australian cricket batsman. You're going to have to help me here with cricket batsmen. How good was Michael Slater? Michael Slater, one of the best. Was he? One of the best. I mean, he he, he was a phenomenal opening batsman um, in the 90, early two, yeah, late, late 90s, early, early 2000. He was a, a common, yeah, yeah, I'd say late, late 90s. Phenomenal batsman. We've also got, I've um, just recognised the name now, um, 1984, Andrew Ellis. Yep, great halfback, played for, Can- yeah. play for Canterbury. Yeah. Um, he's actually did a pod- so, podcast during the Rugby World Cup, went around in a, in, in a van, spent a bit, quite a bit of time with the South Africans. He's, um, is that 40 today? Happy birthday, yeah, is. Andy. Yeah, the big 4-0. Uh, how many caps has he got for the All Blacks? I want to say he's you, got... You have a look there, you Google he's, away. He's got 20, 28 caps for the uh, for the All Blacks. He's played for the... This is probably more impressive. Six caps for the Barbarians. Why is it more impressive? Why is it playing for the Barbarians because more impressive it's, it's, than being an All Black? It's, it's rare, isn't it? You, it's uh, rare to get one cap for the the Barbarians. Never mind to get six. That six means caps. they really like you. You've got to be because it's uh, it's invitation only, isn't it? You know. Yeah, but he might have been just sniffing around at the time, and well, and, and, and England needed enough. Uh, England he also love a good no, old warm top, up game versus top, the Barbarians. On top of that, he's, this is actually pretty cool. So he's played for some cool um, international sides. He's played for so the All Blacks twenty eight times. He's got the obviously junior All Blacks five times he's got the barbarian six times the world 15 three times okay that's a nice that's a nice yeah. accolade Did you to see have. the was it the world 15 versus um the barbarians i think the world 15 eddie jones was coaching it and the barbarians was razor from the crusaders yep. now now all black coach now all black coach such a good game it was just the the scariest funnest most exciting 30 well 20 uh, 46 players on the planet just absolutely throwing the ball around for eight minutes really good uh, he's also got sorry new zealand colts yeah. not sure colts under uh, colts call it as another 21 oh is it right okay so he's got four so junior all blacks i think was under 20s or even under 18s but i, I, I geez, he's 40 i think Junior All Blacks in those days might have even been under eighteen, or maybe equipment to school. It might be, might even be schoolboy rugby, maybe. Uh, but Colts is under twenty ones. It's weird. You click on it here, and it just goes to the All Blacks fifteen. So it's like the the, the England A or like the second. Mm-hmm. So um, I think um, 
Regardless, Andy yeah. Ellis was a damn fine player. He was. And it's a, uh, today, you never knew of Andy Ellis until right now? No, no, no. Yeah. I've seen oh, him. I've seen, seen him about, him. yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, obviously, a bit bit before, um, I, I didn't actually watch him play, but uh, I definitely know of him for sure. Um, we've also got a man new legend, <laughs> Phil Jones. 1992 is, is happy birthday. Happy birthday. He's, he's an odd-looking character, isn't he? Um, and uh, we've got another footballer as well. 1991, we've got uh, Riyad Mahrez, French Algerian football player, um, Leicester City legend. Uh, yeah. If you're a Leicester fan, you're probably a big fan until he left. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> after this short little break of um, Mark Howard, who's won again, I'm going to stay on AFL, I'm going to stay on Melbourne and footy because there's some great clips that I have been uh, I have been enlightened to today in, um, in, in, in preparation for the show. But uh, we are going to come up with a new topic called Cool Story Bro, which you have got for us after this little break. Have a listen to this. One of the best, again, from the AFL at the MCG. Aggressive ball in the middle. Holland's got to stand up the contest. He marks. Defensive side Dodge. of the square. Drives a forward to a massive one-on-one. It's one. Dock and he streams forward from 50. Can Carlton take the mark? Fritz is there. Akers. Blake on the mark. Blake Akers has kicked the goal with 56 seconds on the clock. And Carlton lead it by a point. This is like nothing you've ever seen in the MCG. Isn't that brilliant? It's just something about that the, the Aussies just give it full beans every time, no matter what sport it is. They just give it full beans in the commentary, and I just love it. It's so good. It is good. It is good. And that's why I will always, for as long as I am with Let's Talk Sport, I will always keep playing many of those monumental uh, times, particularly when it comes from Australia, because they do go. I'm going to actually forge you a clip. I'm going to, in fact, I'm going to show this clip on our Instagram handle because it is one of the classics. He gets up off his chair and Mark Howard's his name and he goes, absolutely. He's really, he's a young guy. Um, he hasn't been in, in, the, in the game for a long time. But what's interesting about this clip, if you look in the commentary box next to him, the guy next to him is going even more bonkers <laughs> than, than Mark is absolutely one. Uh, cool story, bro. Or you'd rather go on to the next topic, oh, shithousery. Well, there, there is a, a great topic coming up afterwards, yes. shithousery. And Listen, I, I'll, I'll leave that one to you, shithousery. But I'll tell you a, a cool story, bro. And it is that Sven Goran Eriksson, he will be part of the Liverpool Legends management team when it takes host... Um, uh, takes host actually in a couple of days. It's I think it's on Thursday. Now it is a um, what what do they call this? They call it a like a is it a charity match? like a charity match? Yeah. So it's called uh, Liverpool Legends. Yeah. yeah, Liverpool Legends, and they're playing Ajax um, uh, from Amsterdam. Yeah, and what they're and, like legends as well, or all stars, or yeah, I think yeah. yes, yeah, exactly. And so last week the club announced that Ericsson will be in action on Friday during the game against Ajax at Anfield. Now the former England national coach who's terminally ill with uh, pancreatic cancer, and in an interview he recently talked about his love for the club and said that he would have lo- would have loved to have been. A coach at Liverpool. Now Jurgen Klopp who was the current team manager until the end of the year, he then um, offered to make this dream possible or at least symbolic and he said, the only thing I can say is he is more than welcome here and even he can sit in my place in the office and do my work for a day if he wants to, that's <laughs> no problem Ericsson was the team manager of Leicester City and Manchester City in England and now he will be able to join the former legends John Barnes, Ian Rush and Josh Elridge as part of the coaching quartet at the Reds. So pretty Pretty cool. 
for, uh, it's not i don't think it's the first time i've seen um a lot of like um behind the scenes stuff with with Klopp and getting fans in and um i think i saw there was a a, a young kid as well uh, like a super fat, super liverpool fan and and they brought him in for the day with his parents and they said hello to all the players and they sat down and and um he had a chat with Klopp and, and stuff like that. So I don't think it's the, the, the first or the last time um that, that, that Klopp will do something like that. He seems to be a really like genuinely nice guy behind yeah, the very, scenes. Very yeah, very much so it's gonna be a shame that we're gonna we're gonna well, see the end yeah. of him at the end of the at, at the end of the year, that's for sure. I think that um yeah, he's all he's he, he, what one would have thought there was going to become almost like a, a legend like Fergie mm. in terms of longevity at the club, but it was not to be. Listen, tell me, mate. Shithousery moment. Well, well, it certainly was for this commentator. That's well, for sure. When oh, you think video of, man. when when I think of shithousery, a, a certain nation does come to mind sometimes, and it is the the, the French. The French <laughs> do this French and shithousery just sort of go together beautifully. It's a it's a beautiful entente of shithousery, as as you could say. Um, but uh, yeah, so there was a cameraman. Uh, a cameraman lost his temper. Uh, on uh, Saturday live during the broadcast. It was actually Saturday. It wasn't this Saturday. It was the Saturday bef- before, Saturday before where the weather across all of Europe was, was torrential, miserable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get on to the beeps. Um, so it was broadcast on the FFF TV of the women's first division match between uh, Gingomp and Fleury. Uh, the technician uh, was actually annoyed by the weather conditions. Surprise, surprise. Heavy rain, uh, heavy wind. So the, the rain was falling on him and the, the commentator will uh, will have to uh, bleep a few things out. But basically, bleep my camera. It's going to be shot. Uh, I don't even have the bubble anymore. I don't even have the level anymore. Complains to the camera. Basically, not a happy, not a happy uh, tourist uh, to say the least. I just love that. Just on live TV, just fully. Let, uh, let, let, let it go. It was yeah, just full of full well, of bleeps. Yeah, yeah, bleep, bleep, bleep. And it wasn't the speed, the way that he delivered it. It was just the tempo of the slow roller. Yeah. Bleep! I don't like this. <laughs> bleep! What the hell am I doing here? <laughs> Bleep my cameras, <laughs> so bleep wet. Yeah, uh, one of one of these moments, complete shithousery moment. That is for sure. Let's um, listen. We'll just wrap up with some local sports before quickly. I want to um, bring in because my man on the in the squash world, Johnny Williams, has done another post because squash is getting. Bigger and bigger and bigger on the world circuit, and what else to to, to utilize the 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 asset that we have to be able to um to, and, and and gratitude that we have to have uh, Johnny giving his uh giving his two cents worth in the world of sport as as, as well. But before we do, let's just get on touch onto some local sport because I believe Anthony might be coming in and giving us some info about the um the football tonight. But um, do you want to whack away with the uh well no I'll get straight into it with the table tennis Nizi Lin and Sarah Denot and Tessie Gonderinger. They represented um, Luxembourg in the uh, for, for the national team at the Team World Cup in Busan, South Korea. And in the round six in the round of sixteen, they were unfortunately beaten by the favoured Portuguese team, um, where they went down three 0 So Still not bad, Luxembourg getting through to the top sixteen in the in the World Team Championship and table tennis. I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of accolade there. In the men's 
uh, table tennis player we mentioned last week that Luka Mladonovic he had um, resigned with his club uh, FSV Mainz and he heard he'd been with since 2017 and he's going to be making the switch to rival uh, Zugbrook Grenzel after the current season as he has announced on Instagram um, by the, the Nat Luxembourg national player so that's a big one. Staying on football before or kicks keeping on to football before um, Anthony gets in. But the managers of the Football Racing Club, who we will know very too well, they have uh, raised concerns about the poor state of the sports infrastructure. Now, President Karen Reuter, she's publicly complained about the inadequacies in the facilities at the various sites that include none other than the Hummerill Stadium, the Synthetic Ground in Hollerish, and the Camille Folfa site in, uh, in Bonnevoie. She expressed a sense of urgency, which, um, which um, yeah, which you can under, under, understand because you've got a pretty big, uh, a pretty big club there, um, and the emphasis on the impact of the players, particularly the youth academy. Um, and she also mentioned the possibility of resting the first two teams if the suitable if they were if the facilities were not provided. So Mayor Folfer she emphasised the need for good maintenance and cleanliness, and she also agreed to collaborate to improve these conditions with plans to freshen up and particularly the Camille Folfer um, for pitch. So that looks uh, that, that looks quite promising for them. At least they acknowledge that they're not up to uh, up to the scratch um, there. Have you got a bit of basketball for me? Yeah, we've got some basketball, the women's and the men's start. Starting off with the women's after 18 rounds, the regular season has now concluded with uh, uh, Grunderworld Hostert. They top the table uh, heading into the playoffs undefeated uh, under coach Francois Manti. Um, the team secured a perfect record, 16 victories. Very impressive. Uh, they prevailed against Sparta Bertrange in their final game. Uh, also, Dudelange finished in second place as well. It's a big the, rivalry, yeah, isn't it? They've got the they've got the playoffs now, so that starts next week. So the basically the top six teams are gonna gonna play each other in the playoffs to see who uh, who takes the the big cheese in the end. Uh, with the men, um, they uh, the two rounds remain before their playoff. Um, Steinzel uh, led Ettelbrook. Uh, Steins will lead. Sorry, Steins will lead Ettelbrook, Volfedons, and Esch at the minute. So two rounds left of that. We'll see how that gets on in the next few weeks. Yeah, and just very uh, briefly on cycling, Christine Majerus, she's declared her intentions to retire after the current season, but she's still got specific goals for the remainder of the year. And the latest race in Spain, she finished, I think, 42nd um, over, overall um, after completing uh, our four stages. So that'll be pretty sad too, for us to see Christine Majerus, um, you know, hang up her, uh, hang up the bike, and say, hang up the bikes. I'm sure she'll still be out riding if you've got the love for riding a bicycle. It never and never fades but certainly on the on the on the racing side of things it will be very sad now as i said to you a bit earlier that we have uh, very fortunate to have johnny williams from the psa um a world of squash and here he is now just giving us his update of what's going on in 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 the squash world and particularly i know that there was the houston open just recently which uh which uh, ali farag did did very well but uh let's hear from johnny williams if i can get him on Let's talk sport fans and it's Squash John reporting about what's going on on the PSA World Tour and we're going to go straight to Chicago, Windy City. 
That's a platinum event, one of the biggest on tour, supported by none other than Mark Walter of the Walter family. Let's not forget Mark Walter was the most instrumental figure in getting squashed to the Olympic Games LA 2028. So this is a, a real landmark event on the tour and all the big names, the big guns are there. Starting with the women's, top of the draw, none other than the warrior queen, Noriel Shabini. She won at TOC. She was running around with a bad back, getting treated between games. I don't know what it's gonna to take to stop her, folks. Literally, it'd have to be a broken leg. She is just absolutely on fire at the moment. She probably is gonna run into an old sparring partner in the form of Noriel Taib in the quarters. Sem the semi-spot in the top half is open. Nellie Gillis of the Gillis sisters. Uh, doing very well. Tina Gillis down the bottom half just moved to a best world ranking of number six so she's going to be uh, pushing through there and of course the absolute superstar of the women's at the moment is the 16 year old Amina Orfi ranked 12 in the world. Watch out for her she's got Olivia Weaver who's come off winning two silvers so that's going to be a very interesting last 16 battle but I'm picking Noriel Shabini to take the title once again possibly against Gohar in the final. Now in the men's uh, you've got the web weaver, Ali Farag. I'm calling him AI Farag. He plays a different brand of squash. It's, it's just something that the, the other guys are not able to keep up with. And he is hot favourite once again, no doubt, to take the title. Possibly Mazen Hesham, a wild card in the top half. The Black Falcon has been doing extremely well. He was runner-up in Houston to Ali Farag. And down in the bottom half, it looks like your Kiwi friend, Nathan, Paul Cole. I'm expecting uh, that he's going he's gonna to bounce back from that bad loss to Victor Cruan at, at TOC. I'm sure that he's going he's gonna to bring his best to the table. He's going to probably meet up with Diego Elias in the semis, and that could be an absolute blinder. Let's not forget Mustafa Asal, though, down in that bottom quarter. Looks like it's going to be another Asal versus Elias quarterfinal. Now, just for the uh, local favourites, let's keep in mind that Rory Stewart, Lucas Sermon, Ika Parkers, they'll be coming to Top Squash to play the event there early March. They're all playing as well in the early rounds, so let's uh, keep our fingers crossed for them. And Ika Parker is up to world number 15, best, best world ranking that he's had to date, so well done to the Spanish boy. He's uh, doing extremely well and he's trying to follow in the footsteps of El Toro, Borja Golan. Wishing you all a great week and uh, I'll be back next week to give you a report on what happened in Winnie City. Very much so. Thank you very much, Johnny Williams, reporting there from, from Switzerland and giving you the global or the overview of what's going on in squash. Obviously, even knew the, the players that are coming to Top Squash next weekend, which is obviously fantastic um, to have the Kai such a high calibre coming in and they're, um, they're playing Windy City at the moment then. Unlikely to get through to the latter rounds, but all good stuff. Another thing that Johnny's just kindly sent me, I told you we talked about that video early on where um, well, 96,300 people mm, at the yeah, MCG, yeah. but with a commentator, uh, Mark Howard, we nuts, he actually told me that the next to him, Cam Mooney was the, commentator, <laughs> was the oh, yeah. commentator next to him. But I'm going to put it out there on our socials. I'll obviously tag you, Johnny, in there to, uh, for, giving, for putting me in that link because it is uh, commentary at its finest from Melbourne. Now, as you know, we're very lucky to have Anthony Perez normally joining us on Sunday, exceptionally coming in on Wednesday this week because we just missed him on Sunday and the BGL <laughs> League has kicked off. Welcome, Anthony. It's Thanks. been a long time. It's no been a while, see, uh, my friend. It's been like two weeks. Uh, but unfortunately, I, I, I don't have two weeks of news for you, but still some interesting facts starting off with the BGL League with Diffidence who avoided their first defeat in the very last moments against Monterich. Let's remember they beat Racing last week Seven nil, and uh, made made a big uh, signal through the 
Other teams, Ulysses Oliveira scored the equalizer in additional time to make it 1-1. Still a bad draw for Diffedange, who, despite still being unbeaten, dropped points again and they are only two points ahead of Didelange, who showed no problems against Racing and beat them 3-0. Not a very good start for the capital club, who lost twice in the first two games of the year. Nothing to do with the pitch. Good question. Good the, question. The, <laughs> the, the, the president has just clearly had yeah, a little yeah. bit of a moan. At least Liddy Polfer has, uh, yeah, yeah. Has, has, has has acknowledged that they may be not up to standard, but pretty big club rushing. Pretty, pretty, pretty big club with a bad start with no not a single goal scored and conceded 10. Maybe there could be the negotiation. <laughs> you score a goal, we'll fix your pitch. <laughs> like one, one how, is, how you call it? One thing of grass? Like... Um, one yeah, blade grass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. goal. Has Brunch defeat Rosbaugh 3 1 thanks to another brace from their new man, Raphael Holzhauser, uh, who has now scored four goals in his first two official games for Differenche. While Niederkorn won against Schifflange without any problem 4 0. So, but still, no goal from Jonathan Schmidt, their new player from, uh, from Austria. At the Escher Derby, it's the Jeunesse, which came out victorious thanks to a late goal from Antonio Luiz in the 88th minute, who was the only goal scorer in that game and is getting more and more dramatic for the Fola. who are now seven points behind Monerich on the 14th place, so for the relegation playoffs. Ooh, it doesn't look good. They were threatening last year to, at the bottom. They managed to survive. Will they do it in 2024? It's getting more and more clear for Fola that it's it's getting more and more not impossible but it's getting like more and more unrealistic that they can stay in the league. But you know they pulled off a little wonder last season. Why so? Why not again this year? But if they don't start getting some points in the next weeks, it's it's getting impossible to come back. How many more um, fixtures do they have left? We are the seventeenth match day. Yeah. I think it's thirteen games. 13, yeah. games, 13, 14 games. So there's still a long yeah, way to go. Time, but, but yeah, yeah. But so. when you yeah, when your tail's up, your tail's up, and when it's down, it can also be down in football. Yeah, because uh, their concurrents they got some points, catching an important victory against Mondov two one. Um, <coughs> Perez scored against Petonch the only goal as Strassen won 1 0. So Strassen beat Petonch? Yeah, Strassen okay, beat so Petonch. There's a, a, a little bit of vine there. These guys can, you know, well, okay, eight points behind league leaders. It's, it's, it's kind of funny. I think, like, I haven't checked now clearly, but I think, like, sevens. sixth place can still, like, fight against relegation. Yeah. Teams like Ville, Strassen, even Petonch. Um, can fight against relegation. Talking about Vils, they've lost 1-0 to Mersch, uh, where Benny Bresch and company grabbed two important points as the game ended 1-0. No goal from Benny Bresch. Because we're waiting for it. We're waiting for when he does score. What do you mean? He's going to do a celebration. He's going to do a celebration. He's going to do a yeah. Let's Talk Sports celebration. <laughs> he's he's, he's going to? Yeah. Ah, I, I haven't heard he of it. Heard. He's going to do a Let's Talk Sports celebration. So it's literally he's going to be doing this. Ah, okay, no, nah, 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 I haven't heard of it. Headphones off and mic drop for Let's Talk Sports, so we're keeping an eye out for it. I've got to watch the game next, next week. Next game, next, next week game. game. Come on, Benny, score for us. We want the celebration. So, moving on to the women's, because we on, not only have men who can play football, but also women. And last Saturday was a restart Was the restart of the first women's league. And we already have one team qualified for playoffs. No big surprise, it's the Racing. Uh, we'll show a bit, a bit better performance than the men at the moment. 
moment and they defeated a good Anton WMG side 3-0. WMG staff was not happy with the referee performance as there are no assistants in the women's game. There are only one referee. That sounds like that, that sounds a little bit like your rugby <laughs> game. And there you go. <laughs> happens to the best of so, us. So I mean, you could you could you could have you could have play, you could have players or a bench or a, or a waving the waving a t-shirt <laughs> around. <laughs> I, I would say I it's, it's a lot more important in, yeah. in football than it is for. for it's because for of the, because of side yeah. rules. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. The referee. I I I've talked with some referees in the past, and they're telling me like. With the with the offside, they have to go with the feeling, you know. You know, yeah. you, you can't really see it from that from this perspective. Do it from like a, of the field. To do it like yeah. lunchtime with the yeah, with yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if you swear it's not offside, it's not offside. Yeah. I was in line. I swear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> give it, give it the prize. <laughs> Please give me the goal. Okay, okay. Young Linster against Bedambu had also something special. Not only Young Linster won 3-1 and Leticia Mateus scored a hat-trick, but she scored all her three goals from a direct free-kick. Uh, three, three free-kicks in one game. I don't know if I have seen that ever before. Uh, crazier, Bedambu scored also a goal. Yeah, from direct free, direct free-kick free. as well. So four goals in that game, four direct free-kicks. Wow. No, the wow. single goal wow. from open play. Uh, yeah. Crazy, crazy. Bit of history, maybe. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? At the other games, Hesperos defeated L2-0. Mama showed no worries against Dikesh for one and Tifedor scored five past Rospo as the game ended 5-1. Top four is getting clearer. The only team outside of it with realistic chances is the Entente WMG with only three points behind the fourth-placed L. We've got three minutes left. Three minutes left. Let's go with Jasso. What do you guess? You're not, you're not going to believe what I'm telling you. Go on. Jasso, what do you guess? Doesn't only score on his debut. You, you're not, you're not, you're really not dreaming. Uh, he scored in his third game in a row and even twice against wow. Zlatan Moravce and now has four goals in his first three games and even one assist for the so team. So I saw, I knew that he got two goals on the weekend for his new team, yeah, but no, I didn't no. realize he's three goals in a, in a, in a day. Yeah, he's got two league goals, about two game, two league games, and one in the Europa Conference League against. I mean, this uh, guy's just this guy's just growing another six foot if it's if it's possible. If he's playing seriously, then he's he's unstoppable. But you know, let's yeah. let's hope it's let's hope it's going to continue like that. And for the national team as well, it it, it would be great if he can, can keep his form for the upcoming Nations League playoffs. Oh, that would be so right. important because we're out we're we're, we're out, out with Sinani and Till as well. Yeah, yeah, two yeah. players out. We we need someone. We need we need him to be on form. Sinani hurts for meal even even more. But we still got great players uh, in our in our team. So I'm not that. Worried, and the fact that Danny Mota was in talks with with the national team trainer, uh, Luke Holtz, and he still and he still declined the offer. Yeah, it, it it's a shame, but it is what it is. And some fun fact to close up the show: It's in Luxembourg. You know, we have a corporate league where companies, communes, etc., play against each other. So even we, Let's Fuse News, could take part one day. Yep. Uh, today we we have the game F- FC Police against FC Penitencier. So it's like it's the policemen oh, against the, the prison uh, guards. Against the prison guards. Excellent. Where's that Genius. being played? Oh, I haven't checked it. Why is that not being played on RTL yeah. Point Elu? Just to have that, all the all the prisoners in the stands. <laughs> imagine the game. Imagine the game. The policemen against the the against the criminals. They, they, they've, they've tried yeah. it with rugby, haven't they? they or not? With, Did well, they? Tried it, they had rugby trying to help the prisoners actually, yeah. to be honest, and, and teaching them to play rugby yeah, using yeah. Your aggression in, yeah. in a positive way. That was a few years ago. Now yeah. I don't know. It, it's all, yeah. uh, okay. So that I mean that that's that, that's um that's very worthy of uh, having a film crew down there to getting getting 
feeling that came. That's what that put the lights on at the start. I say. Yeah. And do you know that the 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 leaders of the first division of the corporate league are the teachers? Also the, 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 the club from the teachers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are first. The physical education department. They've learned teachers. all the rules, all the tactics. You know, yeah. they they know everything. So that's yeah. why that they is some everyone. cool stuff you've come up with. <laughs> they come up with it. There's yeah. more than just the BGO league. There's more than just. Is it, a, is it like a five-a-side league? Or is it no, no, four, no. It, four, it, it's full eleven, eleven-side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a proper, it's a big league. And they've got three divisions actually. Three divisions. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. So not only a diffidange on top leading Dudelange and Swift Hesper, and in the women's league, all the content you've just given us there, as well as the corporate league that is absolutely excellent let's force news yes the place i'll done yourself today <laughs> well, well played this way now that is eight o'clock that is that is time for us to move from the studio uh many thanks um anton and anthony for, jo for joining me in the studio tonight and all those army of volunteers out there who make our sporting world tick don't forget check out the regulars on the show we've got sam steen who does the breakfast show at 6 a.m we've got stephen steps low at 12 and melissa doing the home stretch or running the home stretch from 3 p.m the wig win is when athletes give back into sport and isn't it great to see that it is certainly happening out there check, don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, RTL Play and our website until Sunday where Scott and myself will be in the studio with some badminton players uh, in, in, in several days time it's Chirp. Let's Talk Sport with Scott Brown and Nathan Snade 